This podcast is proudly brought to you by the McLaren Vale Grape Wine and Tourism Association, supporting growers in the McLaren Vale wine region. Hi, I'm James Hook. Um, today I'm talking with Jill Gordon-Smith and we're going to be talking about Grenache. I love the way you say Grenache. It's the only place in the world we say Grenache. Is it? <laughs> um, one of my favourite grape varieties and I'm lucky to grow up in Macarabal because we have some of the most interesting and beautiful Grenache in the world and some of the oldest vines that are grown um, in the world here. So I wanted to talk to you, um, James, a little bit about when Grenache was actually planted in Macarabal. Yeah, yeah. What's well, an original? Um, Grenache was brought here uh, to be a port producing or fortified wine, to be technically correct. Um, was brought here to be a key variety in that. Um, it's, it was known at the time as being a way of getting uh, a high sugar percentage, which assist, which when we then fermented it, made the task of making fortified wine easier because you started at a higher base. And of course, that was one of the first styles of wines that we started taking back to the motherland. Well, exactly. Um, I mean, yeah. From the moment yeah. we came here. Australia was a long way away from the market that it was selling to, um, so we had to... Uh, had to sell fortified wine. It was the only possible way of moving you know, our product was to fortify it, uh, put it on a bullock train, get it to a train track, put it on a, a boat at Port Adelaide, and yeah, there you go. What's really interesting to me at the moment is that we nearly every winery or every brand is making a Grenache. Now, you and I both know that there's not that much Grenache around. How no. much Grenache is actually in the Um This is the interesting part. If you go up in the magical helicopter and look at McLaren Vale from above, um, we're about 7,500 hectares. Of that 7,500 hectares, 60% is Shiraz. Number two, Cabernet Sauvignon. Well, there you it's go. 20%. So already we're up to 80%, 80? of is those two varieties, the classic Australian varieties, as they call it. Um, then you have uh, kind of Grenache and Merlot, very close to each other, at about the 5% mark. Okay, so I would have, seriously, with the amount of people making Grenache these days, I would have thought it'd be more than that, but it's 6%. Yeah. It's not a lot. Yeah, 5 or 6% of the area is Grenache. Yeah. So, um, that being said, you know, it is probably, for me, I'm so excited, especially that, you know, last year Grenache won the Bushing King, the K Brothers, which was fantastic. Um, tell us about why Grenache works really well in the Clarendon. Uh, what's excellent about this, in this region, is Grenache is a very efficient ripening grape variety. So it can handle uh, drought uh, conditions, dry conditions and warm conditions very well. It's naturally um, naturally efficient with water. Okay, so it's got a, a natural resistance to dry weather and it's a late ripeness. Yeah, so late it really ripeness. Loves, loves warmth and sunshine. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. naturally quite vigorous though. Um, I, I would I would spin that on its head and say it's naturally quite fertile and productive okay. rather than vigorous. So, so it handles stress quite well yeah. though? I, Yes, I'm using vigour in the term of how long shoots grow. Okay. So Shiraz is a much more vigorous so variety. Much longer. Much longer shoots. Longer shoots. Bigger canopy than Grenache. Okay. So what are some of the negatives about Grenache? I think the negatives Culturally. is that is that um, is that the, as I was saying the the fruitfulness the productivity of it in that if you if you give it 
some uh, excess of water and excess of um, nutrient, it tends to overcrop. So you, you end up with large bunches uh, that become a little bit uh, washed out in flavour, a little bit like bubble gum. They don't really have, they're sweet but not, not got the, the, the structure we expect out of red wine. So the bunches are quite tight. Quite they're big tight and tight. Yeah. yeah, so some of the problems might be bunch rot? Bunch rot too as well. So down in Yildu yeah. you were saying earlier yeah. um, it's not going to be a problem this no, season, no. Right? In, a, in a typical year in McLarenville, we don't lose crop to downy mildew like they do in Europe. Yep. Um, but we are, Grenache is prone to bunch rot at the end of the season. Is there any other negatives as far as um, disease like Kahlua? Is that an issue with Grenache? Um, so that's the French term for uh, poor berry set yep. or shatter. Yep. So I, I tend to call it shatter because I'm an Australian. Um, <laughs> and I'm just using these basic <laughs> Um, it, yes, it does. It shatters. However, it's a natural kind of process because if Grenache didn't shatter, you may end up with some quite giant, staggering crops. So it's it's actually really the vine's own way of natural regulating regulation. It. Yeah. it also it that does lack um, anthocyanins or yeah. or some colour, yeah, some of the colouring yeah. um, anthocyanins. So you're never really going to, even though it looks quite dark on the vine, you're never really going to get a very deep, dark wine from Grenache. It's a bit like Sangiovese or um, Nebbiolo. It's always going to have a much lighter colour. Um, it, positives, loves hot, dry so, hot weather, dry soils, poor soils, well-drained yeah, soils, yeah. which is probably why it does so beautifully in Blue Springs. Exactly, because by soils. definition that is a poor, well-drained soil. Soil, yeah. yeah. Um, and I know around the world, Grenache is grown in quite a lot of places. Um, France. Well, well, give me some of the names. Some, of the, na oh, some yeah. of the names for Grenache. Well, we know it's it's Grenache in, in France, but it's originally, they say, came from Spain. So Garnacha in Spain. Um, some of the other names would be um, in the Veneto, Thai Rosso in Italy. Um, in Sardinia, where it is the most widely planted red grape there, it's called Cannonau, and again prefers sandy soils or, or granitic sort of soils there. Um, some of uh, the other names would be, oh, in Umbria, it's actually called uh, Game di Perugia, which is okay, quite interesting. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, Garnacha in Spain. Yeah, yeah. So I think with so Sardinia, a little bit in Italy, of course, in uh, Sardinia and in the, the Veneto, a little bit in Umbria. We grow it here in South Australia, so McLaren Barbarossa. It's not grown widely in other parts of Australia. Well, it, it needs the heat. So it was a common grape in the Riverland ah. um, previously, yes. Okay. But as, as the industry changed from making fortified wine, it tended to get supplanted in the, in the Riverland even more than it was supplanted in the Barossa and, and McLaren Barbarossa. Um, because I, you know, for me, around the world, it makes some of my my favourite wines. Of course, Chateau Neuf de Pape, yep. where it goes into some amazing blends there, along with Shiraz and Mavedra, um, and it grows on those big uh, galettes, those pudding stones in those old dry grown vineyards in Chateau Neuf de Pape. But we do we make various styles of Grenache, so it can make something from really light and fruity through to something that can be. You know, quite interesting and um, spicy, and spicy, yeah. yeah. And I think we get a lot of spice here in McLaren Valley, yeah, we do from Agronash, which is really interesting. Um, 
What about the way that it's cultivated? What's the best way um, to cultivate well, Grenache and wine? Okay, again, I'm going to come at it not as a as a, a starry-eyed, naive person. I mean, bush vines is the quintessential way of growing Grenache. So a bush vine has no trellis. The vines are grown in the ground. Um, they, they almost come up like a candlestick. So it's quite upright. Yeah, upright. Yeah. Um, that's traditionally how it was grown until about the 1960s in, in, uh, in the Paranavar region and around the world I know you've got um, so much of it in Spain as part of that way. Yeah, absolutely and I think a lot of it is planted in very windy places so if you think about the southern Rhone, yeah. that mistral wind that drives people crazy comes tearing down the Rhone Valley and spews out into the south. I think it is grown, is, I think that it is good to grow on a trellis as well, which okay. I guess that takes me away from being a, a Puritan. Um, I think once it goes onto a trellis, which is higher off the ground than the, than the bush vine, and we're growing along a wire, and we're, we're physically making the vine bigger, it is physically uh, has a higher leaf area, the, the, the pipework inside the vine is, of course, bigger because it stretches for longer. So instead of bringing something only 20 centimetres off the ground, you're bringing it a whole metre up and then a metre along the wire. I, I think that, that is still a very valid way of growing it. You just have to have the discipline with the, with the crop load. So you think you could get higher quality at higher yields than bush? I think you can get equal quality um, with higher yields as long as you're using discipline in the vineyard with, with the crop, so... Would you need to, to actually like prune that back quite hard? Um, yeah, balanced pruning, so yep. pruning, pruning to get um, approximately the right crop you want in the winter. Um, coming along and uh, shoot thinning, actually flicking out some of the excess crop through um, structuring the vine through shoot thinning. Bunch thinning, so taking out um, bunches that you don't like the look of before the colour change happens. And then and then finally, you can even do a differential pick. You can actually instruct pickers to hand pick to create exactly what you want. Have you seen many new plantings, considering it's become you know, very popular, it's getting back into the, you know, the customers are asking for Grenache now. Have you seen many new plantings of Grenache in the Vale? Yeah, well, there are. And, and they are they trellised, as I've described. And I would put some of those vineyards up against some of the traditional, um, traditional uh, bush vine sites and, and I think that they, they, they show favourably against that. Yeah. So um, how old are the oldest of our Grenache vines? I, I know Dharamberg have um, some old stock that they, they're looking after. Um, there is also another blocky McLaren flat that's privately owned, that again is, is claimed to be around the 120, 140 year mark. There, there certainly is a lot of blocks that were planted um, during the 1940s that are still in production. Uh, the famous one you and I both know, of course, is the Noons block. Yeah. Um, that dates to the uh, 1940s. So, uh, yeah, we, we definitely have some claimants for oldest producing Grenache. Grenache. Um, do you think, are there specific clients of Grenache that are used in the... Yeah, um, it's interesting because through the vine improvements, various vine improvements, there are clonal selections up for it. Um, one of the most uh, popular clones is called a heritage clone, which is taken from um, Darenberg's actual old, old stock. Uh, that is widely 
planted and used as a as a benchmark for the quality of it. I would say that compared to something like a Pinot Noir, uh, the clonal differentiation is not as advanced, and we haven't gone anything down that level of kind of trying to understand different clones. Right, so, I mean, a lot of people would say um, Grenache is a warm climate, Pinot Noir. Yeah, they do say that. Is that fair to say that? Well, I think just, you know, the colour and the perfume and the fact that it can make just such diverse and interesting wines. Um, And wines that age. I mean, and as I said, we we make some amazing wines here and I was really thrilled to see it start to get the kudos that it deserves in the region. I also like the the rosé, the fact you can make rosé from it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and, and in France, a lot of Grenache goes into yeah. into rosés and into just normal, everyday drinking wines. So in the winery, it oxidises pretty easily. It loses colour. Um, it could have a tendency if it's... This is the biggest problem. It, it can become quite green and herbaceous. So ripening is really important. Yeah. And because it ripens so late, it's, it's a bit of a... A waiting game. A isn't waiting it? game, yeah. isn't it? Um, but when it works, it really, really works. And, um, yeah. Yeah, we, we would normally see it picked as much as four weeks later than Shiraz, um, typically. Normally. I, I, yeah, normally. It can, it can come on quicker than that in, the, in certain seasons. But, yeah, it, it wouldn't be strange to pick your Shiraz on the 1st of March and, and then pick your Grenache on the, on the 30th. Like, it wouldn't be, that wouldn't be odd to do that. Yeah. I think what's so interesting to me is it's been wonderful to try these really sort of fresh, fruity, young-style Grenaches, beautiful rosé wines, and then to try wines that are really serious and deep. I was lucky enough to try a little wine down at Adam Hooper's, actually, um, not that long ago that was made from 120-year-old vines and was just made in a really simple, unoaked, easy-drinking style. And it was so delicious and had so much drinkability. I could have smashed bottles of it. Yeah, yeah, and no, I've I um I'm lucky enough to see what seeing him make stuff. He makes some you know, good Grenache. And and I think it's it's, you know, um it is getting some respect, especially on wine lists. I've seen a lot more McLaren Bar Grenache um turn up on wine lists around the world. I well, and in Australia. I, I was talking to someone um in, in the Salador uh, that worked at a Salador so you know, very au fait with the wine trade. They were shocked when I told them that there's only six percent of the vineyards. A Grenache because they were, they were like, but everyone has one. I'm like, yeah, yeah, but not a lot of it. No, not a lot of it. No. Yeah. So six percent. Could you see that this? What would you? I mean, Shiraz is vitally important to the region. It makes some of our yeah, best wines. Of course. Yeah. Cabernet. I think our Cabernet is underrated in the Vale, and I love. You know, a lot of us worked at Tatterchiller in the past, and some of those beautiful old wines that we've. And uh, also, I think I think in had. the last couple of weeks, some the the. Uh, Chapel Hill Parsons entry level cabernet has been getting like rave oh, reviews. Yeah, yeah, in Sydney yeah. it did really yeah, well. Yeah, so that yeah. shows you that yeah, there's a lot of and a different style of cabernet here, yeah, but yeah. absolutely gorgeous. Um, but Grenache, what sort of percentage would you? I just think it's the it just it because of it's more difficult to grow on a trellis than Shiraz and cabernet, uh, which is uh, trellises are great for the uninitiated. Um, Bush vines on the ground are very labour intensive. Trellises take away a lot of that labour intensity. They allow you to use tractors, uh, mechanise, um, reduce your labour requirement. So it's um, Grenache is less adaptable to that trellis growing than Cabernet and Shiraz. So if you, you can get over that and, right. and deal with it, and 
it, it, it even takes maybe an extra year to come into production than, than its peers. So rather than three Rather than three years, years it's probably more like four years. What yeah. about, does it need to be hand-picked? Well, it's actually quite tender wood. It's great to prune because it's like cutting through butter in winter, but that softness means that if you put a, a mechanical pruner through your Grenache vineyard, you will break it. And what about machine harvesting? Machine ha- harvesting will break, break it. it. So it's still going to be fairly labour intensive. Yes, it's going to be like, always be labour intensive. So yeah. for me, our Grenache is really cheap considering the amount of work that goes into making it. Yeah, I mean, I'm guilty of having selling Shiraz for more money. Than the Grenache. Yeah. Wow. Um, what are some of the other um, regions that you think Grenache would grow really well in? Um, or areas yeah. of the Vale? We know, we, we know that it's, beautiful. It, it's pro- the one soil type it's probably not suited to is the heavy black clay. Okay. I'm not saying there aren't no, vineyards there, are there that are okay. No, because there are patches of vineyards yeah. that are pretty interesting. Um, and the reason I would say that is because um, in very wet years, it's hard to control its vigour. It's vigour. Okay. Yeah. Whereas in on red soil, lime, red loam and sand, they, they tend to be naturally uh, free-draining, so you, you, most of the time the Grenache is going to be under control for you. So I suppose, you know, we're not going to become overplanted with Grenache because we don't have... It's no, we, certain sites we can really I think there's a little bit more of the, the escarpment, which is the hill space, could be planted with it. Right. Um, okay. Uh, but, yeah, we, we, we're dealing with, you know, a fairly, fairly maxed out wine region. Um, yeah. We're, we're not, pretty lucky that it does blend so beautifully with Shiraz. I mean, and in the southern Rhone where a lot of... Um, Grenache and Shiraz is growing. It's it's a classic yeah. blend, and in Spain as well. With you know, Grenache goes with um, Tempranillo, and we're seeing some of those sorts of blends. And with Graciano, which we have a little bit of in the Vale, not a lot. Um, you know, good Grenache has got those beautiful unexpected flavours. You don't just get the red fruits and the the, the perfume. You get those wilder flavours. Yeah, sometimes. the, the ones I don't like are the, are the bubble gummy ones. Yeah, yeah. It just tastes like bubble. No, because why yeah. I do that with Grenache. Yeah. Do you, um, have you seen it wild, uh, wild fermented? Absolutely, so using, lots yeah. of yeah. it. And you get those sort of like leather, black currants, that gingerbread spice character, which I think is really awesome. Um, even tar and black olives coming through in some of yeah, those, those wines, which are really, really interesting. And the earthiness, it's that leathery earthiness that I really like. Um, it's a sexy grape and a sexy wine. It's a nice wine. Yeah, I'll, I'll pay that. <laughs> um, you know, you get that dustiness to the fruit as well as those strawberries and raspberries. And, um, yeah, I, I think just for me, I, I love to drink it. And I'm so happy that our region's getting the um, recognition that it deserves for the Grenache vines that we do grow. This podcast is proudly brought to you by the McLarenvale Grape Wine and Tourism Association, supporting growers in the McLarenvale wine region.